This is Louise Campbell, co-host of Surfing the National Army podcast, and I'm standing in this week for Roger Green whilst he takes a well-earned rest. And when he told me it was Jersey Shore, I just automatically thought of the programme. I never knew it was a place, so hopefully he's having a great time on Jersey Shore and having some rest and relaxation. So while the cat is away, the mice get to play. This weekend, we're offering conversations from Season 3, Episode 42, looking at the development framework and how this may be helpful for developing integrated multidisciplinary pathways for people with NASH or NAFLD. Within this, we delve into the role that patients and allied health professionals have within these and how and why some of these stakeholders are not involved from the beginning. And as you can probably appreciate when you have a bunch of nurses on a podcast with a doctor, it might get a little feisty. So well done, Jean Schattenberg, and listen for more. In this segment, Professor Jean Schattenberg, Robert Mitchell Thane and Steve Callahan with Michelle Clayton delve into the use of the United Nations Sustainable Goals for why and how these were used for the possible NAFL framework. This week is obviously about, and it's and it built from your uh, and Jeff's original thing, the NAFL Summit that you did in Barcelona, and things that were raised in the audience, nurses, allied health came up a number of times in the topics. So what we thought we'd do is bring people to look at today as to where is the role for allied health, either nurses, social workers, in the NAFL pathway as they get developed. I was drawn to an article that Jeff Lazarus was prime author on, and that you were involved in, along with numerous others, Mary Ranella, Hannes Hagstrom, and other such heavyweights in liver disease. It was about sustainable goals. Now, as we know, and a lot of people don't know in healthcare about the sustainable development goals, the 17 goals, I think they were championed and introduced by the United Nations somewhere around about 2015 as an urgent call for action on health, economy, starvation, all sorts of different goals. All of the countries in the United Nations signed up for it, but you never hear about it in healthcare, even though our country is one of them, your country would be one. And what I wanted to look at, I liked the framework that was put together there and the way that it was used. And um, the article is a sustainable development goal framework, a guide to multi-sectorial action on NAFLD through a societal approach. I missed it initially and that was probably because the Lancet easel review was out at a very similar time. So, And that, of course that took all of the headlines. So what I wanted to do was start off by asking you, Jean, how much you remember of that process, what it was all about, how how it hung on to the sustainable development goals and used that as a framework because personally I like them. I just don't think they're publicised enough. Jörn Schattenberg. Well, thanks, Louise. I'm uh, looking forward to discuss this here with you. As you rightfully said, the sustainable development goals are bring forward by the United Nations, but also supported by the WHO. It can be used in, in many aspects of daily life overall. They're thought to strengthen health systems or bring more equity and, and human rights to different countries, leaving no one behind behind is, I think, a, a larger theme that resonates within the sustainable development goals over and over again. I haven't been aware to them as much either. And the group of public health people where uh, Jeff obviously spends a lot of his time and work in, he introduced this to a group of medical colleagues and physicians and took the SDG goals and, and applied them to NAFLD, asking the question, those, I believe it's 17 goals and the number of targets that are defined. Of these, how many are relevant for NAFLD? What do we 
need in the realm of NAFLD and what needs to be changed in order to make a difference in liver health in respect of the high prevalence of NAFLD we're facing today. So the whole paper is based on consensus, a Delphi um, process. There were two rounds of online discussions. This was in the midst of the COVID pandemic that the whole project was started. I think it went for over a year in the Delphi rounds. A number of colleagues that came from different disciplines mostly were invited to participate in those online Delphi rounds by highlighting of those 17 SDG goals, which one do you believe are relevant to NAFLD? The first round was reviewed by the core group and then a second Delphi round was introduced. And in the end, the final framework comprised of 16 targets, which is about 9% of all the targets defined that we picked and shortlisted and summarized them in the paper to highlight that these are sectors that we believe through that Delphi process are relevant um, for NAFLD and um, importantly need to be addressed by politics, by people that develop the research environment funding in order to make a difference in the NAFLD uh, for patients. And to dive in a little bit, I think this was pretty rough, but just to give you an example, there is figure one, and I believe the paper might not be open to everyone because it's not published open access, but we had a nice figure in there, and maybe we can even share something over the website where there were examples, for example, economic resources was uh, ranked very highly, of course, concerns around food, malnutrition, including obesity, and then non-communicable diseases, universal healthcare coverage was covered. Something that I found very interesting, and we can discuss this maybe a little bit down the line, where access to green public spaces, meaning you have to provide people with an environment in which they can move freely, exercise if they want, and feel safe and go outside. And as such, you get the idea that these are pretty broad and general topics, but through the Delphi process, it was refined on, on, on NAFLD. I like the sustainable goals. I think you can hang things on them. Do you think that the general lack of awareness in healthcare, because I think SDG of three is all about healthcare, improving outcomes by 2030, improving the health of the nations, and particularly diabetes, heart disease, and mortality. Do you think that the general lack of knowledge of them in healthcare providers is an obstacle? It's all right a government being signed up to them. If they don't get those messages down, we can't design the framework around them to deliver the goals, which is one of the things that I've always questioned about them. If I can't hear about them in a local environment, I can't deliver them. Yeah, I agree, Louise. In the SDGs, it reads more like health financing and health workforce. So you need to provide nurses and physicians to address that. If you coin that down to NAFLD, you would say you need the awareness with physicians. And I agree. They have to have tools to identify and stage patients. That's in relation to biomarkers. They have to have the knowledge to order the test or to be aware that the patient is at risk. That's more as a part of a continuous medical education. And, and of course, I've been mostly talking about physicians now, but it extends to nurses and allied health professionals. Awareness is a major aspect here and um, taking that forward will be one very important aspect. Michelle Clayton. May I just come in a moment? Sean, it's interesting because you're talking about nurses there, but I noticed that really in terms of interprofessional approach for this paper, you have Shira as a nutritional epidemiologist, but other than that, there are no nurses or allied health professionals in your core committee. They're not among the authors, you're right. It's something that the paper might have fallen short of, including them. It came out of the medical community. And I 
think the authors were mostly collected through different healthcare specialities, but I'm allied with you that clearly the view of nurses in that Delphi round is not adequately given or represented. I'm not sure it's reflected at all. It'd be interesting. I don't know exactly who your participants were in the Delphi, but there's a real lack of cohesive and collaborative thought in terms of allied health professionals, this interprofessional approach. And I think it's really important. And and the other thing, and I don't know whether Robert wants to come in, is where is the patient voice as well? Sure. Before he does so, maybe give me your view. What are your thoughts on that? If you go talking about SDGs, what's the nurse's view on this? I would say it isn't just about SDGs. I mean, there are specific liver nurse organisations that are at national level. So there's the British Liver Nurse Association, there's CALM, which is the Canadian nurses, there's EASL, has the Nurse and Allied Health Professional Task Force. There are some very senior nursing figures within the liver community and I wonder why people are not actually tapping in to these resources. Australia also has their Hepatology Association and RZLD also has their Nurse and Associates section. Why are these people not being integrated? Robert Mitchell-Fain. Michelle, I'm going to be slightly cheeky here. I'm going to reframe the question because Frankly, why doesn't interest me? What interests me is how do we do it better next time? Because we have a wonderful piece. We have an incredible piece. And yet, Yarn, with every respect in the world, the piece is... is doomed to fail because we're asking for a multi-sectorial action without multi-sectorial participation and we're talking about through a societal approach and the last time I looked patients were part of society it frustrates me and I heard in Michelle's voice exactly the same but I don't want to ask why didn't we how didn't we my question is how do we make this better how do we make it more inclusive so other than claiming to be multi-sectorial and then having to do the work again would it not be better to be genuinely multi-sectorial and to be genuinely going through a societal approach so that we can then stand together with an immensely powerful piece of paper that actually brings together every single view and Jorn before we go to give you opportunity to answer that my next question is you know we have I don't know 18 authors there and are we really going to have one nurse and one patient or could we have maybe 24 professionals who do a job who come from a different viewpoint with a different perspective with a different professional knowledge who come together as equals to create a more powerful paper I'll breathe now Sorry, Jorn. No, I don't apologize, Robert. Michelle, points well taken. I mean, I think the paper as it stands is a uh, multi-sectorial call brought forwards by physicians. Um, totally aligned with you that the uh, perspective of patients and nurses is among the most important. You know, instead of talking uh, about or over patients, these type of targets and development goals must be developed together. And I'm aligned here with you, Robert. That can be highlighted as one of the things that need to be adapted and brought forward in, in the future. I think as it stands, it can only be seen as a physician's view and, and Delphi process that came from different disciplines, as you mentioned, some in epidemiology, some in nutrition, some internists, but it's not the diversity we'd like to see with regards to patients and nurses in here. And that will really help us to define what's the target. Maybe we can look at it that way. Maybe it's the physician's way of saying what physicians think is important. And now we got to either do a standalone and look from the other side or put the two sides together from the very start 
card and revisit that theme. And I think there's a lot of opportunities taking that forward. I thought the signal went there. You you said the three viewpoints there, Jorn, didn't you? You can say that there are more people missing on there. You, you don't have the payer's perspective. You don't have the regulator's perspective. You know, healthcare is so multi-sectorial that it's probably difficult to get everybody on board. But taking it forward, I think uh, stepwise, you can add on. And just before Michelle comments on that, what I was going to say is when I read the piece, it wasn't so much to me about needing my voice as a nurse or a nursing professional in it because it was actually just looking across the broad SDG platform. So it was a place to start. If that's to be developed going forward, then it is the right time to bring the patient's voice, the nurse's voice, the social worker's voice, the other allied professionals, because we're not going to be able to develop a pathway across this framework without all of the purchasing and the buy-in from all of the stakeholders. Personally, when I read it, I didn't take it as a framework. I took it as where does NASH and NAFLD sit within the SDGs and now we can move forward. And I don't disagree with most of what went on. It's important to have that discussion because I thought it was a very good piece and I do like the framework. But I think getting us around that table now and people are being aware of it. So I would love people to share this episode with their allied health professionals because they are going to be part of that network and this framework that was based on the medical and nutritional view. But Michelle, you had something to say and then I'm going to ask Stephen to see if he's got any comments. I was just going to really echo that this isn't purely about nursing and the patient. You know, when we look at NAFLD, we absolutely have to recognise that dietitians, nutritionalists, physiotherapists are all absolutely equal partners in this. And one of the problems is that people don't see us as equal and I wanted to also say that I have now changed my terminology and I don't talk about multidisciplinary working anymore I'm talking about interprofessional working because I think that when I speak to medical colleagues their recognition and definition of multidisciplinary is not as we would see it which is actually more interprofessional and just to say Robert thank you for your comment I do reflect and agree with you it is about going forwards there is a slight frustration in my voice because I think we come up against this constantly and I really want to know as we say how we're going to change this Stephen did you have any thoughts when you looked at the piece and how you would measure or the other quality in that side Stephen Callahan. yeah well so Robert and Michelle sort of have sparked an anecdote really in me so when I help organisations or people together to come up with indicators. So for example, I will say as, as a top tip really, if clinicians understand why they're collecting the indicators, they're more likely to be collected. They should be involved in developing the indicators. Really, you know, that, that's a sort of a, a, a top tip really. And you can summarize this in just one word and that's co-production. You need co-production. That's really important and, and everyone's sort of at the table and that's certainly what I've been doing for many years. And my sort of anecdote really relates to, I was developing some, I was doing a pathway for HIV. We were all in, around the the table and the commission. I was sitting next to the commissioner for HIV, and we were talking about what we count. And people need to understand what they need to count, really. And so, some of the indicators that came up were sort of things like people who newly diagnosed with HIV with a co-infection. You know, let's measure the viral load. Let's measure the CD4 counts. And the commissioner, who was non-clinical, said to me, "Well, that, that, that's all clinical stuff. That that means nothing to me." And um, when I explained to her that people with co-infections 
person, particularly if they have a, a very late diagnosis, you know, from her perspective, the patient is more complex, it's harder to treat, it's harder to manage and carries a higher tariff. So helping her understand and bringing people along in understanding frameworks and indicators within frameworks is absolutely vital. And co-production is the word. It's, I guess, a hot topic, really. And it's certainly something to look at in how to do it moving forward, really. But I absolutely agree with sort of Michelle and, and Robert on that point. And in fact, that's actually a great point. Commissioners aren't people in clinical environments. So we really have to make these understandable. And I suppose the whole reason for the discussion tonight and moving forward, and we'll go into the next section now about how do we bring that framework? What is that? Is the whole point of late diagnosis in NASH is very common, but you hit the nail on the head. That's very expensive. That's very complex. This is where we need to make commissioners understand that early diagnosis of liver disease is within their interest and the patient's interest and frameworks like this that cross appear to do that. And now back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We'll be back next week with a new episode of Surfing the Nash Tsunami. Until then, stay safe and surf on. We'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.